Welcome to the BioCharisma Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Gardner. Today we have Matt Presti of mattpresti.com. Matt Presti years ago was one of my saving graces when it came to introducing me to the work of Walter Russell. He introduced, uh, he had a whole series of videos on his website and that a bunch of people were able to make uh, MP3s of that I was able to listen to while in the jungles of Costa Rica. And as soon as I was able to get to drier climbs, I got the book. Um, actually, my wife got me the book. That's how I know she loved me. She got me the book. I'll actually show you guys right here. It's one of the three books I actually have on my desk at all times. It's the Universal One from Walter Russell. So this book is an absolutely amazing compendium of what I think is holographic thinking. Um, Matt and I, we had a wonderful interview. Uh, we see things slightly differently, but that's totally okay. I think we're trying to get to the same exact spot. Uh, we're both, you know, avid researchers and um, really want to get to the to the core of things. So this interview was great because we got to do it in person. Uh, I really enjoy doing interviews in person and um, it's just one of those things, making the time for it to happen. Um, so yeah, go to Matt's website. I'll put all the links in the show notes and everything like that. And he has thousands of hours of, of work on uh, his YouTube page. And he's an excellent musician. So there's a theme now that I'm seeing, uh, whether it's Jorge Mesa, whether it's Kevin O'Neill, whether it's Owen Benjamin, whether it's Matt Presti, all these people are like highly, highly, highly trained to acoustics, to uh, percussion, like uh, to um, vibration, to sound, to music. And uh, it's just such a joy to talk to people that are coming from that mind frame. Because for me, that's like a completely alien zone. Uh, the only thing I know about music is how to listen to it. So please check out Matt and then further your depth of real deep knowledge with um, Walter Russell. Like, just look at this. This is the first page I turned to. And look at that. Now, one of the things I'll just say in the beginning here that we didn't really get into the real depths of Walter Russell, um, but this kind of builds on what um, I was talking about post Marzinski was finding the neutral center. This, like the guy that really got me to the core of what neutral actually is and how it can be a benefit to benefit to you is Walter Russell. And um, there's some magic in it. So enjoy the podcast and I'll see you on the flip side.
recording. Let me go. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I can tell you're a profesh. <laughs> well, yeah, make sure no hair's like flying out of the ponytail or anything there. Cool. Matt Presti. Welcome to the BioCharisma Podcast, man. Topher Gardner. Wow. I've been a huge fan of yours. Like, I got to tell you, uh, I listened to you in the backwoods of Costa Rica, <laughs> just sweating, being rained on. My old, my old little, uh, what was it? It was a, one of the, um, it was like a second generation, uh, what are they even I'm calling them? The... Um, the pod man, what right. was it? The the Apple product that everybody the iPod? had? The iPod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would record you, I'd go into town once a week, <laughs> record with the only internet, there was no Wi-Fi. I would like download everything that I could off like, you know, wow. scrub sites. <laughs> you know, nothing was legal, like down there, there's no copyright. And I would just, I'm just, I'm, I'm admitting to you, I listen to your stuff for free. <laughs> but it's, it's always been free, so no, no worries. Okay, no worries. good. I, I don't want to step on any toes, but you were a huge um, inspiration to me because one of the things, and you're one of the few people that were doing this, was you brought up the beauty of Walter Russell mm -hmm. and his relationship with his wife, Lal Russell. Mm -hmm. And there was so much of these people like a Tesla or, you know, Victor Schauberger or a Wilhelm Reich, where all you heard about was like the male mind figuring it out. And what I loved about what you were bringing up was this, there was like this interplay, this very balanced interplay with Walter Russell and Lyle Russell. And um, it was a huge inspiration to me. Because I had noticed throughout all the years of like looking at people on the internet, this like over, uh, I wouldn't say over masculinity thing, because I actually think there's a role for masculinity, but there was sure. like this, this, it wasn't balanced. Mm -hmm. And you were the only one out there that was actually presenting this beautifully balanced information of an obviously brilliant man so that's my introduction yeah. i have to say that's had such a huge impact on me because you were the only one out there doing that well a man and a man and wife team mm -hmm. is a balance yes uh, and you know I, i've got to say that it wasn't always there for me mm -hmm. you know when i when i first met Lori, um <laughs> i said this on a recent podcast with uh david whitehead and monica mm -hmm. of uh truth warrior uh, we did a sort of a double date podcast. Nice. And uh, the title of the podcast was The Electrifying Power of Man-Woman Balance. Beautiful. And how important that is, you know, mm -hmm. in today's world, I think. So the Russells were, were such a demonstration of balance mm -hmm. and something that for the first few years of Lori and mine's relationship um, on that podcast, I mentioned, we admitted that we, you know, had probably broken up 135 times <laughs> in, in our first seven years. I yeah. call it our broken mirror phase. Mm -hmm. You know, but we were both coming out of, uh, I guess, toxic relationships with ourselves mm -hmm. as well as people we were with. You know, right. th th they weren't, you know, balanced relationships. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we'd still be with those people. So, right. you know, part of putting yourself back together is 
um, a big part of it for me was having to relate to somebody that I considered to be mm-hmm. my mate, you know. And I know some people don't like the term soulmate or not, but soulmate to me is is somebody you'll get in the boxing ring with. Yes. It's not about, you know, unicorns and daisies mm. and yeah, it's not it's not all honeymoon. Puppy dogs. No, it's yeah. it's fire breathing dragons, burnt pork. You know, she's a dragon, <laughs> I'm a boar, and I just like to say, honey, you just like the smell of burnt pork. You know? <laughs> You're the dragon, right? But so it's 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 been a really incredible thing to to come across and having studied and have my big wake up really around ninety-eight or so. But going into um, you know, just all the study I've done from comparative religion, mythology, um, mysticism, hermeticism, alchemy, you name it, I've done research into some of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm jack of all trades, master of none, they say. But so I've, I've, you know, one thing I could never find, though, was how to balance a relationship. Right. You know, what was love? I led, read Leo Biscaglia's work, Love, which uh, he was the only one, aside from Leo Russell, who wrote a book called Love. Mm-hmm. There's no other authors, well, at least not since I've checked last, that wrote something about love. But love is really this mysterious thing that we don't know much about. Mm -hmm. But that's what I really appreciated, too, like you said, about the Russells, is they were the first to really tackle it. Because, so, I have a lot of people that come to me with relationships, Mm -hmm. like relationship issues, and just overall, like, that's part of the whole human endeavor, right? Sure. And one of the characteristics of love that I bring up is that there's always enough energy. Like, you know, when you're in an unloving relationship that you just, there's not enough energy to get what's needed done. Right. Like there's just like a lack, there's a drop off. Mm -hmm. But when there is love there, there is now this extra push, this extra, there's just always enough Mm -hmm. to, to see whatever needs to get done through. Yep. And now I'm understanding, like I'm seeing you're a musician and everything like that, and I've just started to get into music theory, and I'm under starting to understand what resonance is. Mm-hmm. And whenever you have a resonance, you actually have extra energy. So mm-hmm. there's this perfect, sure, with Mary, like there there are similes of each other of love and resonance, mm-hmm. and uh, I just find it fascinating because that seems to be like where the world of I guess you would say over unity. Like where the world of like uh, where it's it's essentially what I think we actually live in. Yeah. <laughs> we live in an over unity realm. Like there's this, there is this love. We are loved, and when we do love, more there's always more. There's yeah. always extra coming in. Right. Well, nature is a, a finely tuned machine, well timed, mm-hmm. like an engine. If your engine's out of time. You can throw a rod or you can, you know, just end up, or if a hub's off center on a wheel, mm-hmm. you're, gonna, you're not going to get very far down the road. Right. So when you're running in time and in tune and in resonance, mm-hmm. you know, nature is an example of the resonance of God's thinking yes. or this master consciousness, if mm-hmm. you will, the ocean. Would you mind, would you mind telling the audience exactly, because what brought me to you was my, my love of hearing you talk about Walter Russell and his, his cosmology. Would you mind like sharing what that cosmology is? Well, it's 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 really hermeticism, in a sense. Um, it's a three-dimensional alchemy which uses the cube and the sphere mm-hmm. as an upgrade from the circle and the square. Yes. You know? 
but um, in terms of a universal, seamless cosmology, it's it's everything a person could hope for mm -hmm. in explaining nature, explaining God, explaining through not just scientific and philosophic terms, uh, one or the other, but both together. Mm -hmm. It's a science and a philosophy mm -hmm. in one, and the science of love is really defined as giving for regiving. Mm. And when you understand this, you can see how that works and, and, and is profoundly evident in nature. Because mm -hmm. the, the nature's engine is very finely tuned. Mm -hmm. And nature, unlike man's civilization, civilizations does not collapse. Mm -hmm. And that's due to the continuity. Its continuity is guaranteed through its balance of its male and female forms mm -hmm. and their interchanging. You know, and even between the sunlight and the soil is an interchange. Mm -hmm. You know, what sun does to things, right. how it fades out colors and, you know, but it's all part of this greater cyclical, mysterious process that, you know, the likes of a, of a Walter Russell, he, he brings a greater understanding to this process. Mm -hmm. But it's also a process that is the same for humans. Being a seamless cosmology, it doesn't stop at just the micro or the macro. It's mm -hmm. everything in between, mm -hmm. including human dynamics and human relationships. So mm. that's what's so beautiful about it as an art, as a cosmology, as a philosophy, and, and as a science is that, and I would get this my seven years at the university as president. Um, one of the major comments I got from people, especially out of academia, were that this is what they had hoped to learn at university. Right is the curriculum that the Russells teach. Yes. Or what their, the university carries forward mm -hmm. in its mission of preserving and protecting their work and their legacy. So mm -hmm. I was honored to be a part of it, uh, to set up 64 tons of art and sculpture. Which university was this? Could you? Oh, uh, the University of Science and Philosophy. Is that, yeah. loc is that local? It's here? Waynesboro, Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the, really the only child of Walter and Leo. They mm -hmm. established it. Uh, 1957 officially. Mm -hmm. um, they actually came up with the name in 1948. They wanted to have a curriculum uh, after Alexis Carroll's recommendation of, you know, mankind needs a designated curriculum to teach him about the soul and what it is, about man himself, what is his purpose. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they dedicated their lives to, was mm -hmm. teaching a science of man as it's called. Mm -hmm. You know, we have all these great science sciences out there from anthropology, you know, uh, anatomy, biology, chemistry, and so on, and astronomy. But we, we our, our university curriculums are, are strangely silent when it comes to man, his mind, and his soul. Mm -hmm. And I think about the closest we've come is through like, you know, the youngs of the world and others who, who dare to you know, try to figure out what is this human mind and how does it work. Mm -hmm. But still, they're strangely silent about the question of God. And for the Russells, that, that was exactly what their curriculum is about. Mm -hmm. Man, his mind, the science of himself, and his relationship to what we call God or the greater oversoul, mm -hmm. if you will. So Wonderful. And so were you out in Virginia? Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. I, I work there on and off. And I still go out there to work mm -hmm. currently with the current endeavor I'm involved with, with Universal Power. Um, so yeah, it's, it's sort of that's a rollout from the university. It's the mm -hmm. next step for the science and research and some really cool stuff going on there, which I can't really 
talk too much about. But yeah. um, off the record, I'm sure we can say a little bit more. But yeah, it was a, it was a great experience. You know, and the the Russell Museum people uh, want to check it out. In fact, I've been given permission to give your audience a special coupon code for awesome. all the Russell books and booklets. 20% off. If you go to philosophy.org, click on the store, any books and booklets on checkout, enter the code TOPHER20, mm-hmm. T-O-P-H-E-R-2-0, all caps, and you'll get 20% off. Awesome. Thank you for so, offering that. Just for your audience. Because yeah. we yeah. have a lot of y- very youthful, eager beavers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I, I forget, like, sometimes I start to, like, you know, wax rhapsodic with, like, very, like, I guess you would say overly complicated terms. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of the youngins are like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, you have to back up a few steps yep. here. So that's wonderful. Um, I have to admit, I only have one Walter Russell book. I have the Universal One. What, for somebody, because I have a little bit of training in electrodynamics, mm-hmm. electricity. Uh, when I say electricity, I mean like like house wiring. Sure. You know, I've, I've built motors before. I've built, you know, different transistor sets for, you know, remote control car stuff mm-hmm. and things like that. So I'm not like a professional professional, but sure. I really love, I'm coming from the framework very much like what I think Walter Russell and Al Russell were coming from in the sense that we live in pure energy. Mm-hmm. And like this, the, the matter that we feel is just a, a concrescence of uh, interference patterns that have a very temporal solidity, mm-hmm. right? And um, that informs whenever I'm playing with electrical systems and playing with systems that are dealing with orgone and uh, even dealing, uh, dealing with systems that deal with torsion fields because mm-hmm. in massage... A lot of times, like if, if you feel some, some, you know, interference in somebody, it's a torsion field. It's like an right. actual. Like an electrical knot. Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yep. And it's, uh, we were saying this before, before we were on camera, where like when you, a lot of people were, t- actually tell them about magnetism, because I love what you were actually yeah, saying Yeah, well, about it. we were talking that magnetism really isn't a force. It, it would be better to term it electritism. Exactly. Because magnets are created by an electrical process. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they discovered magnets from, you know, pieces of iron or... Uh, lodestones. Magnetite or, you know, things that are struck by lightning, mm-hmm. you know, end up with these magical properties. Mm-hmm. So mag, magi, mag, mm-hmm. right? Yes. It's a magical effect, but it's not created of a force called magnetism. There's no such thing as a force of actual magnetism. It's electritism. It's an electrical action and reaction. Right. So, and it's caused by a division of a polarity, mm-hmm. which in nature is the real cause of motion. Mm-hmm. Nature divides an equilibrium, which in this case is consciousness or the, the, the great ocean and the space around it. This is what Walter was so good at. He not only described how bodies emerge from space, but how they age and die and then are reintegrated back into the space that surrounds them. Mm-hmm. It's a very definite process that is seamless. Again, it's a seamless cosmology, but it's just a beautiful, you know, divine story of creation, mm-hmm. really. And it all comes from his own 39-day experience of what's called divine illumination, mm-hmm. which 
is basically the way he described it scientifically. It would be like a, a fusion of the two two hemispheres of the brain, an mm -hmm. electrical short circuit that creates creates a flash of light. Mm -hmm. And you can reproduce this flash of light with certain techniques. <laughs> um, one Japanese inventor, I, I forget his name, but uh, he he holds the most patents in Japan, and he he induces his flash of light by uh, letting his breath out and going to the bottom of a swimming pool mm -hmm. until he has a flash and then he shoots back up mm -hmm. right before he dies basically. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't recommend you know doing that to, to get a divine vision or revelation but mm -hmm. really the way that you do it is you follow an, an inspiration and most people when they get inspired they'll unfortunately not stay with that thought, not hold that thought, mm -hmm. which means some great creation is probably lost forever. Because mm -hmm. it's really one of those things where if you have that inspiration, which according to a, a Walter Russell, he says an, an inspiration is a, a divine illumination. Yes. It doesn't have to be major 39 days worth or Buddha under the tree for 40 days, but um, if you follow it and you hold that thought, it it increases, the inspiration doesn't stop, but you gotta hold it and go with it. Yeah. Because it's fleeting, it comes and goes. You know? Yeah, I totally concur. What brought me to Walt, part of what brought me to Walter Russell was being inspired by Victor Schauberger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, another I, great. And like everything with the, his, his description, essentially just of pressure gradients mm -hmm. and how vortex is, how the vorticular flow of fluids is essentially the pressure mediation between between polarities essentially right and i grew up in florida where we had hurricanes and i was always watching hurricanes with my father we used mm. to chart them back in the day before computers like we yeah, would, yeah. you know on a map and everything like that and just seeing the the these massive vortexes and then like actually being in some very big storms and the eyes of very big storms is like really incredible to actually experience that firsthand. And now there's this wonderful scientist that's talking about that. Mm -hmm. And then I remember one of the very first times I was listening to Walter Russell, he had the whole periodic table as a spiral. Uh, as a spiral. And I was just like, I, what, what's going right. on here? Could you explain that? Like what that, uh, I, cause I'm not gonna do it justice. Sure, sure. Well, the, the elemental table of Russell's was not the first spiral elemental table. There were several others. In fact, I recommend people do a search on spiral elemental tables mm -hmm. and just see how many great minds actually put this idea forth, several, mm -hmm. uh, even preceding Walter Russell. But um, the reason he's the spiral is because it's, in his cosmology, you have basically two primary shapes that interchange between each other. Mm -hmm. And that's the Cuban sphere, which he called the sole working tools of creation. Mm -hmm. And everything is basically begins as a point and is bounded by six planes of zero curvature, mm -hmm. which are the cube faces. Mm -hmm. And the corners are the radar reflectors that reflect the motions of light and connect the motions of light to all other motions of light, which is why he said light didn't travel. Mm -hmm. It's an instantaneous information informing itself. As he said, a, a kid can throw a ball in the air and the furthest star in the universe will adjust its orbit mm -hmm. to maintain perfect balance and harmony mm -hmm. with where that ball goes. Mm -hmm. 
it's fascinating, but it's a universe of perfect balance, basically. Mm -hmm. And if something's out of balance, it's not out of balance for long. But this spiral elemental table is uh, a really incredible thing because he, for one, he lists um, four elements that weren't even known about mm -hmm. that he copyrighted, and then others took the credit for claiming mm. claiming their discovery. But he had given lectures for several years all across the United States and mm -hmm. in California as well, where he predicted heavy water, which somebody else took the credit for. Mm -hmm. So he was in a later life drawn out battle with the Nobel Prize Commission, um, trying to get posthumous credit for his discoveries of, mm -hmm. of uh, uranium and plutonium um, and uh, deuterium and tritium. Mm -hmm. Uh, unfortunately, to no avail. Uh, so, or Neptunium. I'm sorry. Um, so those four elements that he he had charted and copyrighted in his charts, mm -hmm. you know, those were probably the biggest part of his charts. Were those because he even in that particular one there, <laughs> I mm -hmm. could use a cheat sheet: deuterium, tritium, neptunium, plutonium, which were later uh, a couple were were renamed. I think. Uh, yeah, Neptunium became Uridium. They actually named it something different, but mm -hmm. he predicted their their location in that wave. But the first three octaves of that wave are very interesting, and this would probably not sit well with a lot of flat earthers because he says that space is not a vacuum. It's full of 21 fully toned elements that precede hydrogen called the space gases. And those space gases are responsible uh, in some way for a lot of the, what you could call the wave motions in space mm -hmm. or wave dynamics. But um, those three fully tone elements are also known as the occluded gases. And uh, as they rise up into the atmosphere from either things being burned or volcanic eruptions, things of that nature, you know, we always see things rising up in terms of smoke, but we don't often think that those actually eventually end up in space, which, which uh, again, the gases of space move with their solids as well. So that takes away this idea of space being a vacuum, which makes, you know, it's the same as if the space around your own body, okay? You can wave your hand and feel the air, but mm -hmm. you can't see it, it's not there. So human mind might think, well, we are in a vacuum, but because I can't see what's, but I, you can actually feel it. Mm -hmm. And if we had the sensation ability to feel the space gases while in space, we would feel the same thing. Mm -hmm. But they're so minute and so small that they're beyond even, you know, the smallness of hydrogen, mm -hmm. which again, hydrogen being the first element on the table of elements in Mendeleev's chart is, basically tells you that's that's as small as they could see right so eventually science will come to discover these and um, you know they'll have to eventually give credit to the man mm -hmm. especially for his the fact that he copyrighted his chart in 1926 that's amazing and these other four elements weren't discovered until the 30s so yeah it's really a that's incredible. Yeah, for sure. And that's all from his divine illumination. He was basically given the keys to chemistry, he said. Mm -hmm. And he was basically charged with demonstrating his new knowledge to the world of science mm -hmm. seven years later, which ended up being the release of the Universal One. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, yeah, yeah, I I firmly believe the only real knowledge is epiphany. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can learn all these things, yep. but in my life, there's that yep. epiphany, and then the then life is it ends up proving out the epiphany. Like right. my mind will have a lot of resistance. At least it used to. Now I'm more used to it. But mm -hmm. like when epiphany, I, it's a, like the spontaneous genius of God. <laughs> right. Like God is genius and it's always now and it just happens and it's yeah. there. And it's just like the ego wants to like somehow, some way reverse engineer the genius and take claim of it. <laughs> right. Well, it's always mediocrity that subverts genius. Right. You know, and, and like Goodyear when he spent 30 years trying to create vulcanized rubber, boiling rubber in a, in a pot in his living room. His neighbors thought he was out of his mind. Mm -hmm. But none of us would be driving to visit anybody anywhere if it weren't for that brilliance of that man. Right. You know, mm -hmm. There's few good years, but there's plenty of, of mediocres to, mm -hmm. to point the finger and, and crucify genius, which is typically what yeah. man does. And so, yeah, I, I agree. That, uh, I've watched that all, all my years as an athlete because mm -hmm. I'd always meet the guys who were like, yeah, man, if I didn't break my knee, if I did do this or did right. do that, like, yeah, man, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's always an excuse out there for whatever yeah. reason. So um, that's awesome. But you're right. Knowledge does come in, in the blink of an eye, in the flash, mm -hmm. you know, and, and Walter's one of his greatest sayings where all knowledge exists. It can be ours for the asking. Yes. And he didn't think that man comes to knowledge just purely by accident either. No. That you can intend for it. And Intention you can means. walk and talk with God mm -hmm. in the now, moment to moment. Yeah. You know, and your work becomes greater. And, and if you get a balanced mate, you actually multiply your power between mm -hmm. you two by eight times versus you just one time by yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you get a balanced mate, you're eight times more powerful because ah. you're working by the, the cube ratio. So, so could you talk about that, the cube ratio? Because I, when I think of cube ratio, I think of like as in cubed, like times three? Well, cubed is in uh, two, four, eight, 16, 32. Okay, I see what you're saying. You okay. know, everything increases yes. in cube ratios, mm -hmm. you know, and that power, of course, we see, we live in a cubical world, right? I mean, the, the, the hexagon, I don't, for dude. I, I build domes, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you'll, you'll quickly get what I'm saying, though. Yeah. Um, you got a front, back, left, right, right. top, and bottom of yes. your body. Right. All bodies are three-dimensional, mm -hmm. you know, and three dimensions are basically six sides. Yes. Right? Yeah. So that's sacred geometry. Mm -hmm. And you can't have, you know, like time is something they added as a fourth dimension, but mm -hmm. it's an independent quantity. And to have time, they have to sh they have to try to say that the length, breadth, and width are independent quantities as well, but they aren't no. because every body in existence has those three qualities, mm -hmm. so they're interlocked qualities. Mm -hmm. But you don't need time as a fourth dimension. Nope which I definitely say you have to watch my Dispelling Dimensional Madness. Yeah, could you, could you bring that up? Like, say the whole... Ooh, well, um, it's basically a refutation against some sects of... many sects of Gnosticism, which say that we live in a fallen world that we need to escape. Mm 
-hmm. It's more of a hermetic view. It's like the mystics versus the Skeksis in mm -hmm. the Dark Crystal movie by Jim Henson. Yes, uh, we just watched it. Yeah, I we, mean, that, that right there is, that's, the Skeksis are Gnosticism, which, you know, the world is terrible. They have to escape it. And guys, that movie, Adrenochrome, Jim Henson knew. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. The essence of the pod people. Yes. And here we are, the podcasters. Right. And they're trying to drain our essence. Yeah. No, no, we're not going to let them. So, um, yeah, but, you know, there's some really fantastic movies out there. But Hermeticism in, in and of itself is, I think, a real hard study and acknowledgement of nature, nature's processes, natural law, um, natural science, and the illuminating and incredible abilities of the human mind, you know, that mm -hmm. we don't give up on ourselves, that heaven is achievable here. Mm -hmm. It's a state of mind, a state of being, and that we aren't condemned, you know, to this backward world of a Truman show where even now birds are fake, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, it's really sad to see how, how disconnected, you know, the... You know, or or that we live under a dome and, you know, one volcanic eruption, unfortunately, we'd all be dead from the toxic gases if it didn't escape out into the, mm -hmm. the octaves of, yeah. the three octaves of space gases, mm -hmm. which are out there for a reason. Mm -hmm. But again, uh, you know, fundamentally, a, a lot of people would benefit from a, a, a great study of, of Walter Russell's work. It would change a lot of perceptions that yes. are otherwise flawed, I think. Yeah, I think if if somebody really is willing to put down their conditioning. You do Walter Russell, you look into Schauberger, you go into Steiner, mm -hmm. and just those three heavyweights, if you're yep. feeling a little frisky, do a little Wilhelm Reich here and there, and you'll essentially have a really, like a Western, a, a Western minds look at Hermeticism. Mm -hmm. Th that it's, would be the... Yeah, no, hermeticism is a very Western thing. I mean, it's, it's you have in the Arabic world a, a version of it. You know, of course, we our alphabet, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. Um, the architecture of Arabia going back to time immemorial. I mean, there's, there's sects of hermeticism in all culture, you could say. Mm -hmm. But really, I think, you know, the biggest... What hermeticism truly is from a Western perspective, it's, there's a myriad of ways you could define it, but, and Trismegistus, Hermes, the thrice great one, mm -hmm. who, who is, according to some people, the greatest mystic that ever lived, because he could see behind the veil of nature, he could understand how matter and motion came into existence and how mm -hmm. it exits. You know, he also understood God in a way that nobody else could understand. He was the Messiah, Mercury. Right, more <laughs> or less, the mercurial, you know, mysterium, right? Yeah. The, the, the mysterious one who could walk between worlds mm -hmm. or look out of the dome and, yeah, yeah. and see the whole universe, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, but that's, that power, that scope, that ability is within each one of us. Yes. And that's what a Walter Russell will tell you. Mm -hmm. because he's honest. You yeah. know, he's not out just for himself or his own fame, glory, or recognition. He wants you to know that you also mm -hmm. can work knowingly with God moment to moment, and all the divine knowledge in the universe can be yours for the asking. Yes. And it's based on the intensity of your desire. 
And that's, you know, what I think most major world religions can be boiled down to one common golden tenant. And that is that our job, our purpose is to manifest our creator. Yeah. Whatever the creator in you is, if it's a pot maker or a clay maker or works with clay or pottery or, or sculpting or, or drawing or cooking or, you know, there's a, there's a lot of arts in the world. And, mm -hmm. and people say when you master something, they call it, you, 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 you're able to perfect it as an art form. Yes. Even horticulture or, or, or permaculture or, or mm -hmm. <laughs> farming or raising bovine. I mean, whatever it is, if you put your heart and soul into it, it becomes an art. Definitely. And you can master it and you can do great things with it and make great discoveries. You know? Definitely. So look at George Washington Carver in 300 uses for the peanut plant, <laughs> including peanut butter, which imagine a world without peanut butter. No, you know, he, he I don't want to He could speak to flowers. That. They would speak to him. He could hear them communicate certain secrets about their, their makeup, their fragrance, their... That's so... It's incredible. It's so cool that you bring that up because I was just talking... I, I had I had a few years where I was essentially, I had like one number six line coming to a little shack in the middle of the rainforest. Mm. So I had next to no electromagnetic disturbance in my life. Right. At, other than like listening to podcasts. And I had listened wow, to this... Cool. I listened to this one woman talking about plants and mm. I was really getting into permaculture and she was adamant that she would not ever go in a car again. She would never be in a tube of metal again. Mm. And the person was asking her why. And she's like, it after you go in a tube of metal, like I can't I can't hear the plants. Mm. And wow. So there's been all these studies now. I'm actually working with somebody that um, we're, they're essentially measuring the electrical fields of plants relative to humans when they're given the same stimulus. Right, right. Because we're, we're trying to build resonant structures. We're trying to build these resonant cavities and actually see what the, the, the effect of the biofield of a human relative to a plant is. Interesting, how they interact. How they interact. Yeah. Wow, that's when, cool. When one, how one balances into an, another, the interference pattern that occurs, the positive interference pattern, I should say. And so it's now proven when you positively ionize, a, a part of your electrical field goes deaf. Mm. But when you're neutral, when you're grounded, we were talking about this before, right. you're actually aware of both the, the positive and the negative aspects of the, I, the way I should say it is, because all positive and negative is is direction. Right. You have both directions. So grounding is centering, more or yeah, less. Yeah. It's, it's, it's synonymous. Absolutely. To be centered, or as uh, uh, Carl Jung would call it, um, um, basically uh, um, marrying the opposites. Yes. It's, it's alchemy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It really so is. Grounding yourself by taking your shoe off and, mm -hmm. you know, putting your feet on the actual earth yeah. is, a, is a process. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. It's but huge. But there's a mental grounding as well yeah. as a spiritual. You know. It's really interesting because in cranial sacral work and the cranial sacral um I guess you'd call it portal that mm -hmm. I'm in is called bio biodialectic mm -hmm. cranial sacral. So biodialectic. 
And the whole thing is you find neutral center. Mm -hmm. And whenever you observe neutral center, by observing neutral, by, by the better way of saying it is by being mm -hmm. neutral right. with whatever I'm observing, it rectifies. Yeah. Is that what Walter Russell was talking about with the pure magnetic center? Like, what was the terminology that he used? The, like the, the still magnetic light. The still magnetic light. That's the omnipresent light of God. Mm -hmm. And I, I liken it to like a movie screen mm -hmm. in the movie theater. It's all white, mm. right? Why is it white? Why don't they have green, like a green screen or a black screen? Or Because white, light, white is the only color that will reflect the color spectrum, mm. including black. So this, this is interesting. I'll ask you this because maybe this is pertinent. Um, we were talking last night and whenever I've experienced like extreme beauty, it's like the, the three-dimensional cube you could say we're in or sphere collapses into a two-dimensional plane for me. Hmm. And it's like it feels fake. It's like the awe of the beauty, for whatever reason, will collapse it into like a plane where there is no depth. And then a fear will arise in me. It's like, the, it's like part of my ego mm -hmm. will arise. And then that then creates this three-dimensional experience again. And this but happens when? When, you're... when, I, when I see something that is beauty beyond words okay like an incredible sunset like the, or like, yeah okay yeah like it's happening with interpersonal things but like let's just say an extra personal thing like the, the one of the times i went to the grand canyon mm, right i was like this is it was almost like it was like too much beauty it was like that scene from um surreal yeah yeah, it was, yeah. and it just collapsed right into two dimensions or a single singular plane was what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And then it when I felt the fear of that, like it's almost being annihilated. <laughs> it went and now three dimensional time space is back. Right, right. I shouldn't call it time space, but like the the cube or the sphere of of, you know, movement. Right. You know, dimensionality mm -hmm. that comes back into play. Does right. do, when Walter Russell speaks of us being a cube, like a sphere within a cube, mm -hmm. and that's the, did he say that there is an objective reality? Because when I hear this. To the cube, you mean? No, no. Or... Let me try and choose my words and be as clear as I can. Um, was he saying that we all are within the same cube? Well, you could say the whole universe is in a giant cube. Mm -hmm. And then all motions within that universal construct have their own respective cubes as well. Mm -hmm. um, he also calls it wave fields, are the motions of light within cubic structures. So take our sun, for instance. The cube around the sun is many billions of times larger than the sun. But mm -hmm. the volume around the sun is equal to the, to the density of the sun itself perfectly. Mm -hmm. So all things breathe through their mm -hmm. north and south poles mm -hmm. because everything is, is uh, doubly charged in nature. Mm -hmm. Everything, including our own human bodies, 
just like a magnet has a north and southern polarity or, or polarization, right? Mm-hmm. That's another problem with the, the flat earth theory that, that it's a monopole, but there are no monopoles in nature. Well, actually, there, it's not. So but. you know what actually drew me to, the, to the, the flat earth more than anything is my study in magnets. Mm-hmm. I've, had, I've had to spend a lot of money on very expensive magnets. Mm-hmm. And in a ring magnet, north is center. Right. South is the perimeter. Mm-hmm. And because I've worked on these very, very expensive water rectifying systems mm-hmm. where you use radially centered, we're talking about there's no such thing as magnetism, it's just electrical electrism. Mm-hmm. You essentially have a ring of metal, let's say neodymium. And these magnets are so expensive because they actually electrify from the perimeter from 360 degrees to a center point. Mm -hmm. And it's actually considered a virtual center point. And so those magnets, those types of ring magnets, have a very peculiar, uh, um, I guess you would say, attraction-repulsion dynamic. What they do, because all the south is the entire perimeter and the north is dead center, it creates something called scalar north. It creates a secondary north pole. Mm. It's a virtual north pole that is, I think it's 2x the diameter of the actual ring. And when I first saw that in, in, the, in the flat earth world, I was like, oh, that, that's the north star. <laughs> That's the North Pole because I'm I've been an astrologer and astronomer my entire life. I mean, I've always been looking up at the sky, mm-hmm. but I've really trained myself to do real sky astronomy. Essentially, being mm-hmm. a, a boat captain, doing sextants and things like that. Right. And the North Pole, everything's spinning around. Ursa Major is the big ladle that's doing this thing around that center pole, and the thing I could never ever understand in. Uh, with my study of, of uh, let's just say, normal astronomy was there are so many things in the sky that if we were moving the way that it's described, that that center, that center pole relative to the constellations that are circling around it, it couldn't be that consistent. Hmm. It just could not be that consistent. Well... You'd have parallax, you'd have all these things. And even my, uh, <laughs> my grandfather's a nuclear physicist, who's a mm. very, very smart man. And he could never, ever, like he died when I was 11. Mm-hmm. So his lexicon to me as an 11 year old was obviously very limited. But he told me, even as a little kid, he's like, yeah, because he worked for the Air Force. He's mm-hmm. like, we haven't solved the, the, the three body problem yet. Three body. You can't have three vectors of movement and have a, 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 a prediction that's ever consistent. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so I'm not familiar with that. It's very well known in, in uh, ballistics. Mm-hmm. Like, so we see all these movies where everything's flying in all these different directions and everything's getting hit and everybody's super accurate. In, in reality, it's not that way at all. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, have a, if you have a single trajectory that where you have to shoot something, but you have multiple axes of movement, 
Now he told me this in the eighties. Maybe they maybe they solved it since then. Right. But even the movies in the eighties, they didn't like. He was like, no. He was laughing because I was a big fan of Top Gun. Mm-hmm. He's like, and they and when he was in there, when he when he was working for the Air Force, he said that they hadn't even solved the problems of people with the G force, like the jet pilots. Mm-hmm. Like that was his main work was figuring out how to not like concuss. <laughs> these right. these men in these supersonic planes because mm-hmm. they were getting concussed over and over and right. over and over right. again and so there's a lot of things there but like from a from an electric as you'd say it like an electrolyzing or a magnet uh from a magnet field perspective i'll show you some stuff that i had from uh, dr floyd sweet in kentucky where he was able to measure the fields of these ring magnets mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that most people in the world have no idea about. They see, they'll see a ring magnet and they'll be polarized north to south like this. Mm-hmm. But the ring magnets that have the magic, one ring to rule them all, is where they actually center them so that the, so that the south is on the outside and the north is on the inside or right. vice versa. Right. And then it's a totally different dynamic. Right. It's wild. Well, you can also marry north to north and south to south. And that's also what gives you scalar north or scalar right. south. Have you heard but the term scalar? My point to the, the magnets was if you take a bar magnet and you slice a slice off yeah, of it, just, you're yeah. still going to have a north and south. Yeah. And you can cut it infinitely. And yes. And it will always have a dual doubly charged polarity, mm-hmm. which the point of the, the, the whole thing of the white magnetic light that you asked um, was that when that short circuit happens and we're talking about the color spectrum like Goethe's color wheel mm-hmm. right when he laid out the color spectrum being red orange yellow green uh, indigo blue blue indigo violet mm-hmm. and he put it on a wheel and he spun the wheel guess what color it turned white that's cool so if mind is the white light, mm-hmm. which is the short circuit between mm-hmm. a polarized condition, and that's the one reality, mm-hmm. then all else unfolds from it, which makes it really a triality. And people don't use this term. No. But triality is, is not a duality because mm-hmm. it has a center point. Mm-hmm. And that center point is what the mystics all talk about. Yeah. It's the thousand suns of light in the mind Mm-hmm. that uh, Yogananda spoke of yeah. and so many others who you know have come before but that's that light bulb in the head mm-hmm. that flash of light is an idea which is knowledge that exists timelessly mm-hmm. you know and without a polarized without polarization you couldn't have life right there'd be no life if everything was male male there could be no life mm-hmm it's the end of life at that point. Yes. So you have to have polarity in order to have a universe. Mm-hmm. And you have to have polarity in order to have electricity. Right. And you have to have polarity in order to have magnetism. Mm-hmm. So there's that, that everything is doubly charged. And in the sense of the cube and the sphere, like again, the, the cube is, is best thought of fractally. You know, the, the larger cube and then there's cubes within cubes. And, and basically, a cube is a condition of zero curvature and absolute cold. It's, it's the space around bodies, like your cube around you 
would be many millions of times larger than your body is. Mm -hmm. But all those motions and, and the polarizing, interchanging, polarization sets up interchange. Mm -hmm. There's no such things as uh, quantums. Thank God. Electrical packets. Oh, that, so sick of hearing yeah, about quantum. I mean, it's just, to me, it's like the, these are honest mistakes the science community has made, but nonetheless, they, they've caused basically science to go down a, a very questionable road mm -hmm. that they really aren't able to explain. Um, and when you remove the mind from the equation, number one, you're, you're doing yourself a great disservice. You're never going to come up with a holistic theory of anything. No. When the mind and intention and, you know, this idea of determinism, everything's all pre-decided. But yet you have to make a choice to believe in determinism, mm -hmm. which makes determinism impossible. Because mm -hmm. if you don't choose to believe in it, then there's nothing really been determined. Right. I mean, it's just, it's one of those, you know, we can think ourselves into conundrums. Yes. Like the shape of the earth, for instance, but you still have to have a polarized condition. Yes. And underneath, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. And there's nothing's truly flat in nature. There's no straight lines. No. Mm -mm. And the bubble is the, the shape that, Yeah. you know, um, you blow a bubble, what, what shape does it take? That's yep. nature's ch choosing to take Definitely. that shape, you mm -hmm. know, so. But it's just an interesting thing. I think, uh, you know, the race to, to figure out what the earth is is, is super uh, dependent on who actually, I guess, outside of NASA gets to the upper atmosphere. Yeah, that's true. That's Walter true. Russell said you'd have to go out to basically the corner of the cube to even begin to see the curvature of the earth. Mm-hmm. That's so, a long way. That's a long fucking way. <laughs> oh, I don't know if we can cuss on this. No, we can podcast, definitely cuss. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I have a, I have a sailor's mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, I've, I've never really. I, I, I think myself, I have my own opinions. But yes. Nobody's convinced me of anything. If you yeah, because yeah. there's, there's too many questions. I think you know when you when you do star lapse photography from the equator, which many amateur mm. photographers have, you see two poles of rotation, which is only possible on a certain... Yeah, the, kind of a, I'm totally you know, like, I've... When so you, there's questions, you know, you have to keep questioning. And, and if you have to walk 360 degrees around something, by God, do it. Mm -hmm. There's no, you know, again, people like to polarize others, mm -hmm. right? You've, you're you're going to go in this camp or not. Look at Palestine and Israel. Right. And how many people did we see fall out of the trees on Twitter, on people that I thought were awake because of the COVID, suddenly they're polarized. Right. Now they're warring with each other, mm -hmm. which is exactly what these controllers want. Yes. They're masters of polarization. Yeah. You know, they can get people to want to kill each other. Yeah. Who were all on the same side just a month ago, calling out the governments of mm -hmm. the world for their COVID tyranny. Yeah. And now we're completely splintered. It, it just baffles my mind. Yeah. You've got to stay centered in times like these. Yeah. Very important. That's that that neutral center has been a core. Yep. It's something that for my work as a polarity therapist, I have to really, really cultivate an awareness of. Yep. Because that's the only time other apparent rectifies. Mm -hmm. That's the only time. Yep. If the ego's involved, which the ego is a polarization, mm -hmm. you know, the conditioning, if that is there and it's trying to do its thing, there's a polarization one way. But the neutrality, that that neutral center, mm -hmm. that's where I always call it like uh, 
um, witnessing for God. Mm -hmm. Like when that happens, the ego completely drops, the neutrality is there, and then then it the rectification occurs. Um, it's it's such a humbling thing because mm -hmm. because well, you know you didn't do it. <laughs> there's also from a Western perspective now the ego is a very important thing. Yeah, that it's that is the center between the super ego and the id in Freud's mm. terminology. The id being the that uh, natural uh, fire, the prana, mm -hmm. you know, the desire, the it's all stems. Dr. Russell calls it the sex urge. Mm -hmm. And if that's at all incongruent with the, the superego, which is, you know, the expectation of God or the parents or the state, your ego is literally the balancer between those two, you know, sides of the psyche. So mm. you don't really want to get rid of the ego. I don't want to get rid of the ego. In, in, in that sense, in, mm -hmm. from that, that Freudian perspective, or even the Jungian, because it's, again, it's, it's the arbiter between the polarized mm -hmm. sides of your own being. You know, the, the voice of society or the crowd, and then the voice of the individual. There's, there's all these polarized conditions where you're the one in the center, mm -hmm. basically. But again, we're, we're taught in the East to, to basically put down the ego. But in the East, you look at these religions that you talked about your time in India, these kinds of modalities and these spiritual practices, in my opinion, um, that's a huge disparity between a Western culture and an Eastern one in the sense of civilizations because you, you see a lot more poverty yeah, yeah. in the kinds of, you know, but so it's also important, as you said, that, you know, the overconsumption of society from a Western standpoint is something. So there's all these different conditions in the world that yeah. it's always best to seek balance in that, mm -hmm. including your, your views of ego, that there's a balance between an Eastern view and a Western view as well. So. Yeah. So you understand where I'm coming from yeah, when I yeah, see ego. Totally, yeah. Ego is just conditioning. Yeah. I don't look at it as bad. Because mm -hmm. I actually am quite humbled by my exposure. Sure. And like... Your conditioning is your exposure. Yep. <laughs> and so I, the way I, so just, I don't see it as a negative. I don't see it as Ooh, bad. I don't, right. I don't, I'm not coming from an Eastern standpoint of sure. ridding thyself of the <laughs> ego. I, right. I'm coming yeah. from the perspective of when it comes to the witnessing awareness from Ooh. neutrality. Yeah. Sometimes we'll have like the little narr narrator going on. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that narrator is... It, for me, and I'm only saying the this. Nagger, right. The nagger, the voice. That little narrator. It's nagging, nagging, nagging all the time. You don't look good enough. You're doing this wrong. You could do better. Right. So, so within the context of body work, within mm. the context of being with other, yep. and, and where they're, the context that we share is healing. Right. I found that when that narrator is overactive, there isn't rectification in the client. Mm-hmm. But when there is just witnessing, when there is that neutral center, and it's neutral, it's not saying this is good or bad or this has to go or whatever. Mm -hmm. It just sees it as it is. Right. It rectifies. Yeah. Right. And for me, that's extremely humbling mm -hmm. because I've noticed the best things in my life I didn't do. <laughs> like it appears that I did it, but like mm -hmm. being in the, like you're a musician, right? Mm -hmm. When you hit, when you do an excellent set, 
yep. and you're in the zone, time isn't disappears. It, time disappears, yep. and like, was the narrator telling you video every... editing, writing? Yeah, the, the super <laughs> ego is dissolved. Exactly. That, you know, yeah. And that's such a humbling thing. Yeah. Any artist, any athlete, that it gets into the zone and they're just hitting it. They're perfect, mm -hmm. as perfect as that body yeah. can do a thing. Yeah. It's so funny because when the narrator comes back in, it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> how, yeah. how do I recreate that? Right, right. You know, well, it, that's that's what Walter called the ecstasy of God. Yes, that's how. That's in fact, this is. I said this is a presentation uh, in October, a few weeks back at the university. I think it went over a lot of people's heads, but I said the Russells taught that God has no compassion. Mm -hmm. It's it's doesn't have compassion, doesn't have anger, jealousy, any of these human emotions. It's purely one emotion, which has no opposite, and they call it ecstasy. Yeah. And if you look at the universe, if you look at nature and the starry sky, I mean, my God, that's the ecstasy of the creative mind. Yeah, yeah. And that's all that it does. Mm -hmm. And when we are like to that mind, we take on a part mm -hmm. of that ecstasy in ourselves. And mm -hmm. that's what makes time disappear. That ecstatic inspired state. Inspiration is the inroad to ecstasy. Mm -hmm. It's the voice, of, it's the language of light that God uses to communicate to man. Mm -hmm. Inspire, in the spirit. Right. Right, in the yeah. spiral. Mm -hmm. Inspire, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, it's all there. Even the word is coded to, to let you know. Definitely. Hold that thought. We have sixty to eighty thousand thoughts a day, and which one are you going to hold? <laughs> well said. Well yeah. said. Build a body, and it stands before you, just I, like the studio. You know, oh man, you guys should see this place. <laughs> I might take a little video. Soon. Yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah, certainly. It's beautifully done. Thank Good you. Good work. Thank you. So I have a question too. When talking about the the cube in the sphere, it almost sounds like a hologram. There's, you know. Is it Talbot that did the holographic? Yes, David Talbot. David Talbot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of really cool stuff out there. Um, I might have said in past interviews that the, the universe is holographic, but, you know, basically, uh, Walter's science is, is very standalone. And out of the respect for the man that, that I have to give him the credit where credit's due, there's really no science like it. Um, I can't say that one of the problems I see with a lot of people is they try to instantly marry his work to justify or, or prop up other work. Right. And it just doesn't, you know, if people understood too, a lot of scientists have even borrowed from Walter's mm -hmm. knowledge base to justify and prop up their own work and right. then don't give credit to the man. They're doing this also in psychology. Michael Sarian points out how a lot of the modern day uh, uh, psychi or, or psychologists are now resurrecting old Freudianisms and claiming it as their own because they're realizing that, man, this guy was much greater mm -hmm. you know, than, than we gave him credit for. Yeah. And they're finding flaws in their own work. So they're, you have to go back to the masters, really, is what it comes down to. And what was in the water in the turn of the 20th century, man? That's what I want. <sighs> I mean, the giants. And, the giants. Well, of these, oh, yeah. These the, turn, guys, the turn of the 20th, 20th century, century was pure water. Yeah, you're getting, you're, you probably had a lot better water back then. But 
But think um, of the, think of the yeah. What was in the water? Good damn. Those question. guys, like I mean, look at them. Like the the brilliance that was coming in from like eighteen seventy five through, mm-hmm. like yeah. it was just this magnificent time to be an intellectual, like a real experimental boots right. on the ground intellectual. You know what 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 holds so important and, and, and why I consider myself a patriot, and this might not be a term, a lot of people might not agree with it, but I'm a patriot in the sense that I love the idealisms that founded this country, which yes. are based around individual pursuit of happiness. Yes. That's why I think we have so many geniuses in this country, mm-hmm. or at least we did, especially during that time period, because that, if you follow the age of a country, it's psychological and spiritual and astrological growth, um, around that time, it would have been maturing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and out of the fruits of an individualistic society is born genius. Yes. It, it provides the fertile soil for the genius mind to spring up from it. Mm-hmm. Whereas socialistic countries or communistic countries or even monarchies are very extremely limited as to who. who and you can feel up. it it's, when you live there. Yeah, right. You can feel it. Like when I was in Central Europe, the level of stupidity that in India, I, I couldn't really, it was so foreign to me. I can't say I could have like a real interaction, but the, it felt very insect-like. Mm. In Central America, dude, I'm just like. Yeah, it's it's a hive-minded, it's crowd consciousness. Yeah. Which, you know, your, your Gustav Le Bon's and, and Freud's and Young's all wrote about this, the, mm-hmm. the danger of the crowd, you know. Yeah. You got to be very careful because, you know, the, the mob mentality, if you will, is what tears these statues down in cities. Yeah. It's these political movements that are Marxist in their origin. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why the New World Order has adopted communism as their world government model, because it's so easy to control people. Yes. And you can use it and weaponize the youth against the ancient knowledge of mm-hmm. that society to basically tear it down and destroy it. Yeah. Which erases wisdom from a society, which a, a, a civilization without wisdom is doomed. Yeah. Absolutely doomed. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, the, the, the giants, the shoulders of the giants that we stand on, it's so important to recognize and value their work. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe that nobody knew who Walter Russell was, mm-hmm. including myself. I'm like, man, I thought I was hip. I thought I knew what was going on, but I didn't even hear the man's name for the first time until 2006. Yeah. In a, in a room with, with this, this forum I was involved in through Radio Orbit, Mike Hagan's old mm-hmm. show. Um, he's up in Columbia, Missouri, by the way. Oh, great. I'd to introduce you to him yeah. sometime. He's I was just up guy. there with a bunch of clients. And, uh, but yeah, some, I left this comment in this thread and this guy goes, dude, you sound like Walter Russell. Mm-hmm. Like, who the hell is that? Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, check out philosophy.org. And I, I looked at it, but it didn't make, I was just like, eh, it's army green, uh, um, WordPress website. It didn't really impress me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just instantly, but a year or so later I ended up. So buying, you've always been an electronic snob. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was taking VCRs apart when I was, you know, 10 or 11 years old, opening up TVs and stuff and just getting into all that kind of stuff and ended up, you know, getting into music. But ultimately I find Walter Russell's Secret of Light book here in Salem, Missouri, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years after I first heard his name. and But I didn't put it together until I read it later. But that 
that work changed my life. But Secret of Light mm -hmm. was just the way I said to Lori, I said, I, I never need to read another book as long as I live. Mm -hmm. of course, I, I, need to, I need to read that. I, yeah. I haven't read it. Well, I'll make sure you get a copy. Awesome. Yes. Right. I will be donating to your bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> Toe for 20, all caps. Yeah. yeah. No, I... I Philosophy.org. Yeah, I got... I think that was the very first present my wife got me was the uh, the Universal One. Oh, that's great. It's, yeah. Some consider that to be his magnum opus, but really the, the culmination, the final distillation of his scientific work was in the book Atomic Suicide. Mm -hmm. And that book, I like to say, literally it melted my brain mm -hmm. when I read it because it, uh, page 107, there's a chapter called We Define God. Mm -hmm. And nobody, I don't care who you are, is hubritic enough to try to define God, mm -hmm. not even the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. I mean, but um, it's the best definition that's ever been given of God and what it really is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll just leave it. I don't want to ruin it for your listeners. Mm -hmm. You've got to use your, your imagination, but also get out there and, and support, you know, the giants among us, their work. Um, can, I, can I bring up a corollary to sure, that? Sure, absolutely. So I was really being, um, I guess you would say, conditioned through by Wilhelm Reich's works. Another great, and, another giant. <laughs> and in 1927, he wrote The Murder of Christ. Ooh, interesting. That book was what knocked me out of the ashram. Because in that book, I forget what chapter it was, like the fourth or fifth chapter, he was talking about how... What we do is we create a Messiah. We're the creators. We're the progenitors of uh, w that which is going to save us. Mm, interesting. And then when it doesn't, we're pissed. <laughs> right. All the while, the mechanism is the externalization of authority. And we're not knowing that. We're mm. always externalizing authority. And this goes back That's to... That's profound. Yeah. And this is what this is like getting back to what you're talking about. This nation, its its whole thing was, you know, you come here self-determined. If you work hard, it's yep. a meritocracy. You you can make it happen. Yep. There isn't an external authority that's going to do it for you. Right. You're going to do it yep. for you. And so I'm reading Wilhelm Reich, and I'm noticing, oh my God, I made the guru. Yeah. I made right. the guru. What did Ken Wilber say? If, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. <laughs> wipe his ass out because he's in between you and your own salvation. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. So that's so magnificent that's, that 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 Walter Russell wrote Atomic Suicide at the same time. Yep. And patriots back at of that time, which Walter was. Yes. You know, a patriot is one who, again, I have to severely define this word but a lover of individual liberty yeah that what else can a patriot be yes it, it's even written into our founding documents that if the government becomes tyrannical it's our duty to throw those chains off yes and and reverse course or change direction mm -hmm. you know and no other nation on earth has ever given the individual such high praise and esteem and i know it's not perfect mm -hmm. but the fact that we told all of europe and all of its monarchies, and the fact that we also told the, the entire papacy that they can go pound sand, we're no longer going to do what they want us to. Mm -hmm. 
they declared eternal war against us. Yeah. And they've not stopped. And nope. what you're seeing, the destruction and the takeover of our institutions, mm -hmm. are these external forces outside of America, which is why pro-nationalism is a no-no. Mm -hmm. Because you can't have a communist world government if you have nation states. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing they're gonna, that they've been trying to do is destroy them through illegal immigration and things mm -hmm. of that. You know, to, to fundamentally change the culture as yes. well. You know, and I know we've, since 1871, we've been under a, you know, corporate DC takeover, more or less, of corporatized and birth certificate, um, traded as goods on the stock market. But that's all stuff that we have to come to, you know, how are we going to do this? How are we going to solve these things? And I know guys are out there doing it. Um, part of the work I want to do too is, um, regain my natural citizenship. What is that? Um, well, I don't know a whole lot about it, but it's some of the work I'm gonna do on my own podcasts uh, to bring attention to the process of, you know, re reclaiming your natural rights. Mm -hmm. You know, before the United States Corporation, people were citizens of their states, respectively. Mm -hmm. You know, and then we all became basically members on a piece of paper. Collateral. Right. And we're, we're openly traded, you know, and, and made to be cargo mm -hmm. received at the dock. Yeah. Right. By a doctor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And we're a, a birth certificate of origin, mm -hmm. right? Goods are certi certified as well. But it's just how to reclaim that from the state. And you also file certain paperwork with the IRS and you don't have to pay federal taxes any longer. Mm -hmm. And you can still work for even a Fortune 500 company, and yeah. they, they have to respect the that classification because you're a natural, sovereign mm -hmm. person. You yeah. reclaim your personhood, and you're no longer referred to with capital letters on your bills and mm -hmm. things of that nature. Capital letters signify corporation, right. which is a corpse. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, you know, what what they call uh dark ceremonial magic around this whole thing. Yes. But it's, all these things are now gaining steam and, and especially um, in times like this where we find, unfortunately, a large portion of people who, again, I thought were awake, fell out of the tree and went straight into a polarized mm -hmm. position and are now at war with others who don't want to be polarized. Right. You know? <laughs> it's interesting to see how, you know, how important balance is. Yes. And again, if I was talking with Joel Rafiti and Eurasimos of Here for the Truth, and we talked about this very thing about you have to really walk the fence and not be, let yourself be pulled into mm -hmm. one camp or the other, because really it's divide and conquer is the only thing that's ever limited humans. Precisely. You know, and yeah. even into yourself to where mm -hmm. your your own self is divided mm -hmm. by the superego and then the ego and then the id, which is the the that virilic force that that uh, is your desire, your drive mm -hmm. itself. If that's not in line, you know, basically you got a threefold job here to get your physical, mental and spiritual health and well being in balance with one another. Yeah. And if you can do that, you can do anything anything at all, including regain your sovereignty, um, 
create a new system that replaces old ones. Mm -hmm. As Buckminster Fuller said, don't go to the war with the existing system, create a new one that makes the old one obsolete. Star domes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Biochar. <laughs> yep. I mean, there's all kinds of great people doing great work, yourself one of them. You Thank know, you. And, and thanks so much for coming here. Dude. Oh, man, my pleasure. It's I... great to meet you finally. And yeah. Chance Garden, shout out to him. Big for, Chance, yep, my man. Giving us a, Get me back in the pod game. A nice email intro, and he's two hours away. I mean, He's only an hour twenty minutes from me. I'm right, I'm equidistant right. to the to the legends. Yeah, you're half and half. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Right in the middle. Right there. Damn right there. Neutral center. I wanted the middle. No, Neutral center. <laughs> but um, yeah, Some man. Great stuff. Can come th from thank all you that. for yeah. hosting my wife and I, and no problem. really appreciate it. No and problem. if you ever want to get into law, she like when it comes to all that, mm -hmm. I turned her on to it six years ago. Because I've had the opportunity to meet a couple of real creditors. Mm -hmm. And like they switched me on to everything that you were just speaking about. And then I told her about it. And I was like, babe, this is the most spiritual thing I've ever come across. And she's like, what? The law? I'm like, not legalism. Not, legalese. Not yeah, legalese. Right, right. I'm talking about the law. Yeah. And she's taken the ball and run with it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We have all all of the Missouri statutory law books. That's awesome. <laughs> we have it all. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I can't wait to make our, our library because it's just like, it's, it's, because back in the day, people didn't have entertainment. Right. They knew the law. They would like, right. if there was something going on in the town square, they would, they would be there and they'd be able to cite things. Yep. And there was, you know, enforcement, you know, not, not externalized authority yeah you know so man this has been awesome matt thank you so much for having us you're and, welcome and, man. Uh, anytime i'll let you know when we're going to post it and tell people your what your podcast is and where they can find um, it. the exploration of consciousness uh they can find it at mattpresti.com which is m-a-t-t-p-r-e-s-t-i.com i'm sure it'll be in the links yes. below here and uh everything is hubbed there and can be found through that site Beautiful. Um, for all the work of Walter Russell, Leo Russell, visit philosophy.org. Again, for you, your listeners, TOPHER20, T-O-P-H-E-R-2-0. Enter that code at checkout, all caps. We'll get you 20% off any books and booklets that the university sells. Awesome. For like a month. I think they're going to give you the, the, it took us to, the month of November. This will be episode 44. Oh, cool. Nice. So this would be funny. It took us to episode 44 to get an actual promo code. It's a master number. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Definitely. Well, great. I know you got to get to band practice, so yeah. we'll yeah. get going. You coming with? Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. Good job. You ought to know. You ought to know by now. I hope you enjoyed the podcast with Matt, Matt Presti. Check out Matt Presti's YouTube page, Matt Presti, M-A-T-T-P-R-E-S-T-I. Um, wonderful, wonderful gentleman. We had a, I'll be releasing videos of um, him as a percussionist, as a drummer. Uh, we had a great time um, with he and his wife up in just north of us here in Missouri. And uh, also got some serious gravy on the local 
happenings when it comes to um, forced immigration. Uh, I think we got to the bottom. We didn't do this on camera so much, um, but off camera, I think we got to the core of this scam of how they're bringing people in. And uh, it's amazing. Like we're literally dead center of the United States and they're bringing um, larger corporations are bringing immigrants into work, manual labor jobs here and <laughs> being subsidized. Like these people are being subsidized quite a bit of money. Um, I could easily live off the money that they're paying these immigrants. Maybe I should apply as a, as a newbie back in the United States as an immigrant status so I could get um, what they're getting. It's kind of it's kind of weird how this is all happening. Um, if you go to Matt Presti's uh, YouTube page, look at the compendium he did where he's describing Lau Russell and and um, and Walter Russell, Lau Russell was his wife, and the balance between the two. Um, there's a very, very interesting energy that um, comes when you have a male-female dynamic that's working in concert with each other. Obviously, all life is here because of that, but in a, from an intellectual perspective, um, when I had first listened to Matt describe the dynamic th that those two had, that wasn't present in my life. I did not have a uh, muse that was philosophically inclined. And um, I hearing that, I didn't even know that was possible. And then I prioritized that in my life was to if I was to ever get married and ever to have a family, it had to be with somebody that I was intellectually completely compatible with. And Mackenzie ended up being the perfect mate for me. <laughs> she actually critiqued me so hard. It was awesome. She uh, went through a bunch of my old podcasts because I told her, I was like, look, I'm an out there person. I'll tell you. I, I I would say it before Owen in a way, but I was like, I might be wrong, but I'm not lying. This is who I am. If you want to know me, check out my podcast. And she did. And she wrote me page after page critiques. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. This is so awesome because we didn't agree on everything, which is cool because it's not always about agreement which you could actually, you know, surmise from the interview. A lot of times it's just about having the dialogue, the the conversation, like, you know, get the juices flowing through the conversation. And um, I know that's when my authority comes in. My authority does not come in when it's just an interview. My, my authority comes in when there's a dialogue. And um, man, it was brilliant. And it completely mirrored how Matt spoke about Lal Russell and, and Walter Russell's dynamic. And when you really start to understand polarity, you know, we're always told opposites attract. That's, that's not true. <laughs> Birds of a feather flock together. That is a truism. And that's so like, that is so. And, but what is really cool is you could have 
two similar beings, but one is polarized male and one is polarized female, that's when you get super attraction. Uh, dissimilars don't actually uh, attract well. Dissimilars actually are very curious, but they don't have legs. You actually have to have compatibility and similarity. So when you start to study Walter Russell, you'll really start to get into those dynamics. I, I'm pretty sure Dr. Randolph Stone, the inventor of polarity therapy, that's what I practice. Uh, he was very big into Walter Russell. He never said it outwardly, <laughs> but I could show you diagrams from his books that you know could have been a copyright infringement at one point. Who knows? But uh, lots of things that Walter Russell had drawn, he had kind of masked onto the body, which, in all honesty, that was you know pretty much very ancient uh, Ayurvedic thought to begin with. You know, the truth is the truth is the truth. It never changes, which is really brilliant. So check out Matt Presti. Um, I'm so glad he's only an hour or so away and we can hang out. It looks like we're going to have like a meeting of the Midwest Minds um, pretty soon here. We have a really good group of uh, deep thinkers. We have Marty Leeds right down the street. We have Matt just to the north. We have chance to the to the west, and um, you know there's a bunch of really cool people that are doing this thing down in Texas, and I think we could very easily have like a roundtable smackdown uh, conversation on on what it means, you know, cosmology, and uh, yeah, so that's what's going on. I. Uh, Apologize for not getting the podcast out with uh, Chance Garten. Um, to be honest, uh, Chance totally sabotaged the shooting of the podcast. He had me sit in like a little a little man's dunce cap chair, and he and he and he had the camera facing towards him, perfectly square. So I ended up looking like his little homunculi. And so we're going to reshoot that. I, I can't in good conscience put that out there. I still do have a little bit of pride in uh, how I appear, which is why I'm like now, you know, trucking into my exercise regimen and fasting. If you can't tell, like right now, I'm actually a, a little hepped up on testosterone from, from fasting for 18 hours. So uh, this is the way I get. I will, I've warned my wife and uh, hopefully she's okay with it. Um, got lots of good gear. I got uh, gimbals and things like that. I'm um, going to be doing some more in-person interviews that I'm going to surprise you guys with. But uh, we're going to be releasing the podcast that I did with um, Bear Lando and Mike Winner, the one with Chance. Um, I just did one with Michelle Gibson the other night. We got a bunch of podcasts. I'm sorry I've been a little bit slow on that. Um, we've had a little problem uploading things to the website for some reason. We're trying to, you know, iron out that kink, but we have everything on BitChute, and, um, we're also ironing out the kink with, um, Podbean. Podbean was actually, uh, populating, uh, Spotify, Apple, um, excuse me, Spotify, um, Amazon music, all that with the podcast, but for some reason they've stopped doing that so i'm checking in with them to find out what's going on with that and yeah 
we're uh, crushing with the experiments. Um, so on at, at my website now, I have uh, two products that are for sale. I have uh, biochar. So if you want to support the pod, you know, go buy some biochar. That helps me. Um, and if you need to know the benefits of biochar, just listen to like every other podcast of mine. Um, we have that. And I believe we had the Mayu swirl. Um, I, uh, that's the little vortexer that I've uh, put film out on. I keep forgetting to tell you guys I'm at biocharisma on Instagram. Um, I'll put the links in the show notes also to the Insta, excuse me, to the telegram uh pages we have a great chat we have we have like 600 people in our chat and uh man there's like hundreds of messages a day now on that and people are putting really good insights on there i really appreciate that and um yeah we're continuing to grow i am now offering to the public my celestic profiles i've done enough of them now and have seen like 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 crazy accuracy um there is the stipulation though that the 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 celestic profile is only truly relevant to you um after your first saturn return so if you're under the age of 30 this irregular chart reading for you is 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 good enough um there there is a palindromic way in which life occurs and that means like the way it starts is the way it ends. And um, it's not usually until you become an adult where you actually get to see uh, your true being because adulthood is correspondent to responsibility. And when you fully start to take responsibility, then you're no longer under the conditioning of, well, I shouldn't say you're not under the conditioning um, you actually have the choice at that moment to be released from your conditioning of the world. The celestic profile is you as God intended you, sin conditioning. It's you as you are. And um, I have about four dozen under my belt where I've gotten direct feedback from people that are adults. And um, it's like, it is them. And so <laughs> uh, the purpose of the Celestic Profile is to actually put you in complete okayness with who you are as a being. Um, when we are under the, the incorrect auspice, when we're actually identifying with that which we are not, then we're, we're coming from a framework. Um, we're coming from a pivot point where we're off kilter so it's very uh i guess you would say liberating to understand that you have a certain uh, a certain um thing that will play out and there's really nothing you can do about it that's just as it is and i love the analogy because i top five movie for me is rounders uh, it's not the cards that you're dealt. It's how you play them. And they, the characteristics that you've been given are the cards you were dealt. The cards are the cards of the cards. You can't change them. But you can totally maneuver 
the how you play the game and this is the life is it's a serious game but it is a game and you have a lot to learn while you're here and so if you have a chance check out the movie rounders because there are just some truisms in that movie that are timeless you know i don't play the cards i play the person like all the different things it's just so good so i hope you enjoyed the podcast like i said check us out everywhere there is a donate um you can donate at biocharisma uh, you can sign up for the celestic profiles i am in full on um missouri builder uh consultant mode too now so I'm going to people's properties, doing site surveys. I'm doing the the whole thing when it comes to um, uh, dousing properties, especially if they're virgin properties and uh, finding ley lines and water lines and all the good stuff. So um, yeah, that service is now available. I'm pretty much booked out through the through November. I might have a week week or so in um, December available but uh overall things are going really well so i really appreciate your guys support like share subscribe all that bs and uh, i'll see you next week